Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Today I want to jump straight into the Word. I got a message that very close to my heart. And the reason why I say that is because this is everything of what I want to be. This is my desire as a man of God, as a husband, as a pastor, as a Christian, as someone that's just like you that loves God. This is probably my life message if I had one. And that is spiritual hunger. Ever since I was a kid, I've been born again since I was five years old. And ever since I was a kid growing up as a teenager, I always wanted more of God, always. I can't remember a season where I never wanted more of God, even in my own sin, even in my own weakness, even in my own foolishness. Come on, anybody been there before? I still wanted God. I hated what I did, but I still wanted God. Always. There was always an unction within my heart, within my spirit, a conviction of wanting to be closer to him. And there were seasons within my life because of sin where I wasn't close to him. How many can attest to that? Because sin will separate us. That's in the nature of what it does. It doesn't want you to get close to God. Because if you get close to God, then you get free. (laughs) But I remember just growing up through life, always wanting more. And I can say this part of my life right now, I don't want anything else but him. Nothing. There's nothing in life that satisfies me more than being in his presence. And my lifelong message is to teach every person that I come in relationship with or I'm around is to have deep intimacy with God. That's where everything changes. Intimacy. To have a hunger for God. So we're going to go through scripture today. And I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself. And then you get to examine your own heart this morning on things that you may need to grow out of and change. Today, you may feel a little challenged. You may feel at points where it's hard to hear because you might feel I'm calling you out. I'm not trying to. But what I do know is we have to allow the word of God to shape us. We have to allow God's word to mold us and to set us up on this life that he has called us to walk in. And only his word. And so today, there may be things that confront your sin. There may be things that confront your comfortability. That may confront your luxury of life. And if you will bear with me. We're going to take it somewhere to where, hopefully, in the name of Jesus, you will leave this place shaken and have a greater desire to do God's will. Because the word for this year is harvest. Harvest. And you can't have a harvest unless you work. You can't have a harvest unless you labor. This is why Jesus even said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The one that causes the harvest, the increase, the laborers. Who do you think he's talking about laborers? You and me. Laboring, not just a preacher or a pastor with a five-fold gift. No, every single one of us in our jobs, in our families, our relationships, we're laboring. Everything that we do has purpose. 
If there's anything in your life today that doesn't have purpose, you just do because you just like that, let me help you today. Ask the Lord if these are things that you should be doing. If there are things that you should be letting go of and changing within your life. It may be that you're giving too much time to certain things that aren't helping developing your life and growing you. There may be relationships that you have today that you don't need to be in. Now, I'm not talking to a husband and wife today. I always have to say that when I say this. Because some people think, well, that means I can get a divorce. You just now gave me grounds for it. No, I did not. No, you're in a commitment and in a covenant, and God will help you get through it. Amen? He'll help you. Come on, he'll give you this grace. His grace is sufficient for you. But today, I'm going to read quite a few different scriptures. And the central idea for today is this. Hunger for the things of God will cause you to be filled with God. Hunger for the things of God will cause you to be filled with God. And so I go into a question then. How hungry are you for the things of God? Look at your neighbor and say, are you hungry? Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, are you hungry? You can participate, it's okay. It's all right. Are you hungry? Now, I'm not talking about naturally. Some of you are probably get, I'm very hungry right now. I get it. Today, we're going to shut up King's stomach for about 35 minutes. Come on. He's not going to be king over our life today. We're going to submit it and subject it to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God, and we're going to grow. Amen. John chapter 6, if you turn there with me. So the question today is, how hungry are you for God? Now, we just now seen in this passage of Scripture that Jesus fed the 5,000 that he blessed the bread and broke it, and they dispersed it out, and it was a miracle. These people that have been following Jesus and hearing him preach have been filled through a miracle, through God blessing the bread, breaking it, and distributing it out to the people. So now he has a crowd of people following him because of this great miracle that he has done. And it says this, verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Now, if you've ever looked at the Old Testament, we know that the children of Israel in the Old Testament, on their way to the place of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, the promised land, that God, for 40 years, gave them manna, bread from heaven. And so they, if you look prior scriptures before this, they talk about how Moses was the one that supplied the bread. And this is what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, speaking of himself. He's speaking of Jesus himself. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. So obviously, in their ignorance, they did not understand what Jesus was saying. But they're about to because they're about to get really ticked off. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Nor, or and, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's pretty self-explanatory right there. So then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Spiritually speaking, I am the bread. I am the one that gives life to you. Come to me, and you will not be hungry anymore. 
Come to me and you will not be thirsty anymore. So in order to understand this, we got to understand what it means to be spiritually hungry. Because we in the Western society and with the luxuries of life do not understand hunger. We don't. Maybe some of you have gone a few days without food or maybe weeks or maybe you have experienced real hunger, starvation because you didn't have the finances or something of that nature. But the majority of people, especially in this area, do not know what hunger is. They've never been a person where they had to kill someone for food or to do a tough labor for a few dollars just to get bread for the kids to eat that night. Thank God we don't live in the Great Depression, amen? Amen? It would be a tough time, wouldn't it? There's been times throughout these centuries that people throughout the world have been deprived of food and kids dying, families having division because the father couldn't take care of their kids so they had to send them off with someone else. See, we live in such a time where we got everything. You got AC, you got electricity, and this is similar to what happens to a wild animal. Have you ever seen a wild animal that gets put in a cage? What happens over, over a period of time? They lose that edge about themselves. They become domesticated. They become used to the environment. You put that wild animal back into the wild after it's been in a cage for a while, they'll die. They wouldn't survive. Because they go back out there, the wild will tear them apart. And this is what happens within the church. We have become domesticated. We have lost a hunger for the things of God because we're so full, naturally speaking. We got everything. Why do I need God when I got money? Life's good. I got a family. I got everything I have need of. Why would I need God? Maybe today that has been or where you were at one point. One of the things that I have found being here for a while is that people don't really think of God. Don't really care to because life is good. They believe in some higher power, but really they're okay because life's all right. I got everything. Now, you may have a little bit of mental depression and loneliness, but there's medication for that now. There's doctors that can help me. I can get medicated. And so even in my loneliness, even in my despair, even in my pain, well, there's things, drugs, naturally speaking, that can change things for me, that can dim me down, cause me to be slow to thinking. See, what happened to the church is we have gotten domesticated too. We've gotten used to the luxuries of life, to where there's no spiritual hunger for the things of God. You're not hungry. You don't desire. There's not an unction. There's not a passion. There's not a, if I can say it this way, because lust isn't bad, a lust for the things of God, a hunger for the things of God. The very first thing that should happen within a believer when they wake up is think about God. The very last thing before they should go to bed should be think about God. 
You say, well, that's too much. I got a life. I got things to do. I got family. I got kids. Life's so busy. I got too many things to worry about. I understand. That's why you need God. Because without him, you'll spiritually die. This is why you have to have a passion for the things of God. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Notice it says, come to me and believe in me. Two things. These are actions that starts with you. Come to him and believe in him. Believe means to fully trust, have confidence, be fully assured, reliance on who he is, what he can do. I'm fully convinced that God is able. Come on, how many are fully convinced today that God is able to do what he has promised to do? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read the Sermon on the Mount and go through a couple of the Beatitudes for you. And it says in verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, he's about to teach them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or right standing with God. For they shall be satisfied. Look at that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. Are you satisfied today with life? Are you satisfied in the way life is going at this moment? Because notice this, satisfaction doesn't come from the environment I live in. Satisfaction does not come from what's in front of me or what's around me or what I'm dealing with. Satisfaction comes from my hunger and thirst for the things of God. See, this is different than what my mind tells me. This is different than what my feelings tell me. My feelings tell me otherwise. No, I'm satisfied when I have friends. I'm satisfied when my bank account's full. I'm satisfied when I got all the right people around me. Business is going good. Marriage is going good. Families or kids are acting right. Then I'm satisfied. No. You're never going to get 100% everything perfect and right. You ever heard of keeping up with the Jones? I still don't know who the Jones are today. I don't know where that expression came. But let me help you. There's no Jones in the real world. You ain't keeping up with no Jones or anybody. There's no such thing as a perfect life. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as your kids not acting foolish and being rebellious and going against your word. There's no such thing as being a perfect husband that says the right things to your wife. There's no such thing as a perfect wife saying the right things to her husband. There's no such thing as everything in business going perfect, having all the money come in that you desire to have, all the jobs working perfectly. Come on, anyone that has a business. But God and who he is and what he can do and his ability, because the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. What does this mean? Through him, all things are possible. Without him, everything's impossible. I have to have a hunger for God, a thirst for God. Because what happens when I get hungry and thirsty for God? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Your desires become his desires. Sorry, other way around. His desires become your desires. 
His will becomes your will. His passions become your passions. His purpose becomes your purpose. Everything reverses. This is why we are not of the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. The world system, every person that you know today that is an unbeliever, let me help you today. You cannot copy and mimic your life from an unbeliever today because it will lead you into deception. Now, you can take some things that people say and what and how their good values and their good quotes and stuff, and that's all right, but I'm talking about their life. If they haven't died to self and not walking after the things of God, don't mimic or imitate your life after them. Imitate your life after the people of God, after the things of God, and after his word, and by the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to do so. But he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Psalms 107 says this, verse 9, Psalms 107, 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He will satisfy you. Satisfaction comes only from God. Notice it says a longing soul, a hungry soul, something that is yearning, someone that can't be filled from anything else but God alone. See, this is what left the church, unction, a conviction. Is there an unction within inside of you today to follow after God? Or are you so caught up with your own life, it distracts you from walking in his purpose? It don't matter. Let me help you today. You could be 30 years old today, 20 years old, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Let me help you today. Age is not a number. If you only got 12 more years, 20 more years in this life, you can let the 20 years of this life be the best 20 years better than the other 80 years of your life. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, we live in a society. Once you turn 65, life's done. Retire. Hang out. Chill. Just hang out. Life's over. No, it's not. Because God's kingdom is still being established through you. Now, what you do may change. You may not be as agile and as physically strong and fit. That's fine. Let me help you today. Every single one of you in this house has a purpose. Every single one of you, God has a will and a plan for. Lainey mentioned it last week about being spiritually prepared, which is great. Because it goes into this about being spiritually hungry. You can prepare yourself. You can prepare. But God is the one with the plans. God, what is your will? God, what is your direction? God, how can I do this? In everything of our life, does God have preeminence? In every area of your life, marriage, relationships, job, what you eat. You say, really? Even when it comes to food? Yeah. Every single aspect of your life, is God involved in it? I learned long ago that when God is not involved in every aspect of my life, then that means I am leading the way. And my, le- my way will lead to destruction. My way will lead to me going into the flesh. My way will cause me to get out of his way, his will. Every area. It's not just when I come to church on Sundays. It's not just in my marriage. It's not just in how I raise my son. It's in every area. See, some of you today are allowing God to work in some areas, but not every area. Because there's some things you don't want to change yet. There are some things that you still hold dear to, and you know if you got to change them, that means you got to change. 
But then there's others of you saying, God, use me in any way you want to. I'll completely change it. My life is yours. It's not mine. Let me help you today. Continue to have that. Continue to walk in that and see God move and work in your life. Amen? And it says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now think of this. This word hunger cannot be satisfied by a snack. A snack. A 2 p.m., two rice cakes with almond butter and an apple. Can I get an amen? No, this needs a meal. This needs some steak and potatoes. See, this is a problem that a lot of Christians fall into is they give God 20 minutes of their day and they expect to be filled. It's a snack. I don't know anyone that can run a marathon just living off a snack. I don't know anyone that's in some type of fitness that's eating like a bird. What does that mean? Just barely eating. That's what I tell Laney. I'm like, Laney, you barely eat. You need some more food. Eating like a bird. I don't know anybody that can live their life just barely eating. See, we have to consume the word of God. You say, I don't want to get into the deep things of God. I don't want to know everything within his word because that means I'll have to change. Exactly. You will. And that's the place God wants to get you to. That's the place where he wants you to be in because he knows if he can change you and transform your life, the things that you are bound to, the things that are defeating you, the things that are destroying you, you'll be free from. See, this hunger for God is not a snack. It's not just a little quick fill me up. Some people go to the gym for 10 minutes and think they did something. You didn't do nothing. I'm sorry. The thing about being hungry for God is just like it is in life, consistency. Being consistent, step by step. I like what Scotty says. 1%. You keep on adding 1% to your life every single day or every week. You look back six months from now, you got a lot more percentages that have gone up. Amen? You've done a lot more. See, the problem with some people that think they have to go from night and day difference. The reality is it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. For some, it does. I know some people that were completely transformed and changed because the presence of God set them free. But for a lot of people, it's a process. But part of the reason why it's a process is because we always make excuses and find reasons to get out of the process of changing. And that's why it takes a long time. For example, the children of Israel were only supposed to go through the wilderness pretty quick. But how long did they stay in there? 40 years. And a whole generation died because of their complaining and their grumbling. Think about that. Will you allow yourself to live your whole life and miss out on what God wants to do for you? On what God wants to do in you and through you? Because what I mean by what God wants to do for you, this is what I mean. Because some people say, and look, this is where... I'm going to help you today. God's will for you is to serve his will. So when I say that God wants to do something for you, meaning God wants you to fall into a place where you fall in love with him and you'll do anything for him. That's what I mean, that God working for you. This isn't about God, give me all the clients I could possibly have. God, give me everything that I desire, that I need. Now, will God do those things? Of course he will. He will bless you. But his purpose and his priority it's for his kingdom being established through you and through his church. Amen? 
So there may be seasons where you don't see everything that you want to see. There may be seasons where you go through things where it's dry. Man, I can barely get anything from when it comes to business. My relationship, man, my marriage, my, me and my wife, we're fighting so much. And you're still praying. You're still pressing through, but you haven't seen breakthrough. Let me help you. Continue to pray. Continue to intercede. Continue to push forward. Continue to move in God, and you'll see breakthrough. The best thing about faith is stretching. you got to stretch your faith. What good is faith if it's, not, if it's not stretched? What good is faith if it's not utilized? I don't need faith for good days. I need faith for the bad days. But I won't have any faith for the bad days if I'm not built up in faith. And it's his word that will fill me up. It says... That this hunger is a longing that endures. It's never completely satisfied on this side of eternity. Man, that's good. So that means, in reality, I'm never truly satisfied on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, until I go with the Father. There's something within me. If I have one family member in my household that isn't serving God, there's an unction with me. There's a hunger for God, for them to know Him. There's this burning conviction I have to see them know Christ because if they don't know Christ, they'll die and go to hell. There's this conviction within us, this hunger within us that says, God, I don't want anything else but you. And in the end, you're really not truly satisfied, though, because it never leaves you. It just grows deeper and bigger to where have you ever felt like you're in God's will, everything's perfect, life's great, but you still feel like you're not doing enough, anybody today? That's a good place to be in. You're like, man, there's not enough time to do everything I need to do. Let me help you. Stay in that place. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged knowing that God is working on behalf of you. See, this passion is real. It's just like hunger and thirst in the natural are real. So this passion for God is real. This passion is also natural. It's just like hunger and thirst are natural in a person. Come on, how many of you get hungry? You ever gone from that stage of hunger to being hangry? Anybody? Come on. My wife gets like that. It's hilarious. And see, I do too. And when I get like that, my wife's like, nah, you go away. Because I'm probably going to say something that's not nice. And it's just because I'm hungry. But see, it's this passion for God the same way. It's natural. It should be natural for you to have a hunger for God. It shouldn't be something that's out of the ordinary. It's like you have to make yourself get to that place. Now, let me help you. You may have to make yourself get into that place at first. But it will become a habit. See, you have a habit of eating at certain times throughout the day. Everyone's eating schedule is different. I get that. But you have a time where your stomach's saying, hey, or your throat's saying, hey. Like right now, my throat's saying, hey, right now, to be honest with you. Hold on real quick. I felt like that was a quick, perfect time to do a segue into this. Hold on. <laughs> segue just means time out. And your body tells you, you should get that same feeling in your spirit. It's like, hey, where you been? Where you at? Who is that talking to you? That's the Holy Spirit. That's your spirit man, spirit man recognizing you haven't been in prayer today. It's been a week and you haven't talked to me. It's been a week and you haven't said a word. 
You've been dormant. You've been quiet. You say, I don't have that. That's a scary place to be then as a Christian. If you don't got that in you, then that means habitually you've gotten used to not being in his presence. And let me help you. Let me encourage you. Start today. Sunday mornings won't do it for you. You'll go from one Sunday to the next Sunday for the next 10 years and your life will still be the same. And you haven't done anything for God. And you're wondering, why isn't God using me? Why, isn't, why am I not seeing this? And you'll question everything. And this is where a lot of Christians fall into is deception. It's because their God isn't God, it's something else. This passion is intense, just like hunger and thirst can be intense. I mean, natural hunger can be intense for a man. I'm talking about humans, all of us. It can be intense where I'll do anything to feed myself. Come on, you ever seen someone that's really hungry? They'll break into a store to get some food. And they'll kill someone for food. I mean, dear God. The same way it should be with our hunger for God. I'm not saying you should kill someone, but it should be intense. This hunger I have is intense. No one's going to stop me from serving God. I'm not going to compromise for nothing. Nothing. There's no pet sin that's going to stop me and unhinge me from walking with God anymore. There's no lust of my flesh that's, over, that's going to overtake my life anymore. I'm not going to be a Christian that compromises in my walk with God anymore. I'm going to be intense with my life with him. See, this is what the church needs, intense Christians. Intense is not a bad thing. See, we've got people trying to be relative or relatable. At the whole time, what they're doing really is being compromised or compromising in their walk. This is what happened really in the early 2000s in the church. They wanted to be, I'm not ready yet. This ain't the showtime at the Apollo. Hold on. I'm going to preach this. Now, if you got to go, you can go, but I want to teach you the word. I lost my train of thought. Early 2000s. This is where the seeker-friendly church came into play, where churches took on the trend of the world. And this is where you saw the whole understanding of holiness lead the church. The church wanted to be like the unchurched so they could win the unchurched. And they took scripture, like Paul said, I got to become like them to be like all, or to win them all. And they took it completely out of context. He was talking about food. And, but we took this and said, oh, that means we can be like the unchurched. We can play secular music in the house of God. We can win them over. But the, and even some churches' mission statements change and their values change to where we don't want to go deep in the water. We want to stay as shallow as we can get. I'm being serious. Their values. You go to their website and see it. I'm like, dear God, what are we doing here? And this is why you got Christians that are not fully saved and living a sanctified, holy life unto God and constantly dealing with depression and constantly dealing with demonic activity in their life, constantly being bound up and not wondering why they're not free because they're trying to live like the world. But just put Christian on a stamp on their back of their car and say, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Because a Christian is one that self-denies himself and walks after the things of God. Go to 1 John. Let me show you what a Christian is right here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, which is this. You ready? For all that's in the world, everything in the society that we live in today. You ready? The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not from the Father, but it's from the world. That's an intense scripture, man. That hits me straight in the, right in the center of my face. That's a bullseye right there, isn't it? I don't know about you, but every time I read the scripture, I'm like, man, God, I, for, I repent. Sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. I'm sorry for just making things about myself, being prideful, complaining. I mean, guys, we got it good. See, the thing that you have that the unchurched doesn't have is the Father. The Holy Spirit, his word. You got everything at your disposal, everything to go through life. I was talking to someone recently and ministering to them just about the gospel and who God is and who, you know, what a Christian is because their form of Christianity is what they've seen on television and seen on social media, which if you've been on that for a while, it isn't a good representation a lot of times. It's usually just pointing out all the bad, right? It is. Never about the good that they do. It's always about the bad that they do. And so someone that doesn't go to church ever and doesn't really know Christian people, that's all they hear. And that's how they have formulated an idea of what a Christian is. And I remember talking to him and just telling him, like, this is what we do. This is who we are. He's like, I've never heard of something like that before. He's like, why wouldn't everybody want that? I'm like, tell me. (laughs) Yeah, to not be on your own in life. To be able to rely on the Holy Spirit. To rely on, be able to rely on his word, be able to be part of a church, part of a body that supports and holds each other accountable and loves. Now, that's what the church should be like. Amen? And a lot of times we don't see that within the church. But in this church, it ain't going to be so. Amen? We're going to have a church that's full of unity and full of love. Amen? And it says in verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Look at that. So look, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, you can be like that. You can love the world and the things of the world, but let me help you today. All that's going to perish and die out, but the things in God won't. They'll abide forever. So while you're wasting years and years of your life trying to keep up with the Jones, trying to become something, trying to barely get by, you know, I love it with sin. Sin, sin, Sin's such a funny thing because we say, well, you know what? I'll start Monday to do things right, but we waste a whole weekend. And we do this over and over and over for years. Come on, have you ever done that before? Oh, I'll wait till Monday and I'll start fresh. And you do really good for Monday and Friday then. All the weekend's here. The Bible says that a dog will return to its vomit. The problem is you're not relying on the Spirit of God. You really don't want to be free from it. There's not a hunger within you. See, this passion can also be painful, just like real hunger and thirst can cause pain. It can be painful at times. It can be painful. You ever had hunger pains? That hurts, huh? Come on, if you've ever prayed and fast, sometimes you feel those, right? Or if you've ever done, done some type of workout challenge and they say, hey, you're constricted to only 1,500 calories, you're like, oh, wow, I can't even sleep at night. Anyone had that? It's the same thing with God and this hunger for God. It's painful sometimes. It's like there's such a burden. God, I just want to know you. I want to know you, God. 
I don't want anything in this world. And a perfect scripture that goes with that is this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 34 through 38, and I'm almost done. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Meaning, what does it profit you to gain your whole soul, to gain everything in this life? What does it profit you? Jesus said it this way, if anyone would come after me, deny yourself. Deny your pleasures, deny your passion, deny your lust, deny your will, deny your purpose, deny what you want. Say, God, I'm yours. This is what hunger is. Hunger is a driving force. It's just like natural hunger and thirst can drive a person. Oh, drive a person. Spiritual hunger will drive you, meaning I'm focused. I got laser focus. I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. Just like the woman that had the issue of blood, she was focused. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. The crowd was there. Just like blind Bartimaeus, many of you know that story. He was blind, and he was shouting, Jesus, son of David. And what did the crowd tell him? Shut up. Hush. Don't bother the master. He talked about it. No, because of this hunger, because of this woman's hunger, because of Bartimaeus' hunger, what happened? They received from the Lord. That woman with the issue of blood was healed in her body. That man that was blind, Bartimaeus, he was healed and he was able to see. It was because of their hunger for God. Nobody was going to stop them. There was a passion that drove them to the promise, that drove them to the answer. See, there has to be a passion within you. There has to be a driving force that comes from spiritual hunger that drives you to follow after the things of God. It says, you know what? Yeah, I'm sick in my body. Physically, I'm dealing through things, but God, I know that your word says that I can have healing. So by faith, I receive it. It is mine. And it may be years until you see it manifest, or it may happen like that. I don't have the reason of why some things happen before or some things don't happen ever, and you just go and die into heaven. But let me help you. Heaven is not a consequence. It's a reward. So if you receive it in this life or you receive it in the next, it's all right. You're going to receive it. But I'd rather much have faith right now on this earth to believe in healing from my body than to sit there and die out and complain and just constantly mumble and grumble about what's going on in my life. How about you? Because what if on that side of resting in the promise, of trusting in God, healing does come? And the whole time you didn't receive it was because of a lack of faith. Is that why every single person doesn't receive healing? No. And I know there's been some people that have said that from the pulpit. Let me help you today. That's false. If you could truly say that I'm walking in faith and believing in God for my healing, then continue to walk in it. Don't be discouraged by any person that gets up here and says, well, you don't got enough faith. They're foolish. They're foolish. 
They're foolish. If you know you've done everything you possibly can and you're standing on the word of God, continue to stand. And having done all, stand. This hunger is a sign of health. Just like hunger and thirst shows health. It's actually healthy to have a hunger and a thirst, naturally. If you don't have a hunger and a thirst, naturally, there must be something wrong within your physical body. Have you ever noticed that when people are on their deathbed and they're close to going to the other side of eternity, they really don't want to eat much, do they? They don't want nothing. They're ready just to go. That shows a sign of that they're not healthy in their body. See, today you may be a Christian. You say, I'm not really hungry. Well, that's a sign that you're not healthy then. Because it's healthy to be hungry. You should desire God. If you are a Christian today and you say, I'm not really as hungry like you're talking about. I'm just not there yet. Let me help you. Get there. Get there. And with all you're getting, get there. You got to get there. Because what would happen if a whole body of 50 people get so hungry for the things of God? What would change in the region? Jesus did it with just 120 that were up in an upper room. And what happened? The early church was built. The early church was founded. The early church was established. 120 people. And you got churches full of thousands of people that are spiritually dead. This is why I'm not worried about numbers. Never have been. I've been a part of a church that was a mega church. I've been a church, part of a church that was small. You know what I'm worried about and focused about? Your soul. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Are you hungry for him? Will you labor with me to build God's kingdom in this region? Will you stop making excuses and reasons to opt yourself out, to opt your family out of not being involved in what God's called you to do? Yeah, I said you. He's called you. He didn't call me to do it on my own. He called a body. One last thing. A hungry person doesn't get easily offended. Passage of Scripture in Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. You can read it later, but I'm going to read it to you right now. And it says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Or Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Now look. You got to really pay attention to what happens right here. Because if you don't, you're going to miss what God's trying to do. In verse 24, he said, he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Meaning, I didn't come for you. I came for the only the people. The Jews. My people. I didn't come for you. The Israelites. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Does this look like hunger to you? He basically told her, I didn't come for you. You're begging the disciples, my pe people are with me. We're not here for you. What do you want? Now, usually what would happen for us, we say, fine, whatever. Psh, forget you. You ain't here for me. I ain't here for you either. Right back at you, buddy. This woman persisted. Why? Because there was something within her. She knew that this man had what she needed. See, most people would have heard that and said, you know what? All right. They would have got offended. How many times have we done that in a service where it didn't go our way? The music was too loud. 
It wasn't the right sound. You know, let me help you. Worship's not even about the music or any of that. Worship's about you just coming before God and saying, God, I'm here I am. I'm here I am. How many times have we done that within our own life or God didn't come through for you or someone that you know didn't do something for you and he's like, whatever, all right. I'll just focus on me. I'll do me. Now, this woman, she had a different idea. She said, she came and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Here's her prayer. Lord, help me. Help me. I noticed that the more and the older I get, the more I pray, this is really where how my prayer comes to. God, I need you. Help me. I can't do this anymore. I'm all like, I need you. It's not me going through a 10-page list of prayer things. Usually it's just saying, God, help me. I'm here for you. What can I do? And this is what he answered. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Whoo. Man, what, what would you have done if you heard that? Look, she's begging him now on her knees saying, help me. She's, everything's out on the table. Exposing herself. Vulnerable. And Jesus says, I ain't going to take the bread or take what is rightfully someone else's and give it to a dog. That would tick you off. You're ready to fight, right? But notice this woman, still not offended, still hungry, still pursuing him, hasn't quit, hasn't stopped. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She's like, I don't want the whole thing. I just want a crumb. Why did Jesus do this? It was to show us that we can't always get easily offended when it comes to life. To show us in how to persevere through things, even when it doesn't go our way. To stay hungry. A hungry person doesn't get easily offended. No, they see it as an opportunity to continue to press forward. They see it as an opportunity to grow out of it, to grow up, to see it in a different light, to continue to seek God. And look what happens. Jesus answered her. So obviously he liked what she said. And he said, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.